Hello, welcome back to my goddamn quest for happiness. I am still looking for my happiness. Are you as well? <laughs> if you found the key, please let me know. I would love to hear what it is. Um, today we're doing the second part of deletions, distortions and generalizations. So we looked at distortions last time and this time we'll do the rest <laughs> because that's how it works. <laughs> so thanks for joining me. Let's do it. Hi, and welcome to my goddamn quest for happiness. I am Anne Klein, actor, comedian, and life coach. Okay, sure. This podcast is all about happiness. What makes us happy? What makes some people happier than others? And why can't I get it? I've been reading a lot of books. I've been talking to many, many people, watching lots of YouTube videos, rabbit hole, and I have discovered a few things, and I would love to share just that with you. Last time, uh, if you have not listened to that episode, I would really suggest you go do that because I explain where this whole concept comes from, that this is based in NLP and we start with the first category, which is distortions. I find it quite interesting. I think there's a lot to learn in there. And today we will be doing the next bits, which are <laughs> which are deletions and generalizations. And I think there's some really interesting bits in this, which I use a lot and I've heard many people use a lot and they actually have a, quite a huge effect on on your well-being so um, I'm super thrilled to be doing it so <laughs> let's do it oh my oh my my eloquence is still with me. Category is deletions. Extravaganza. This first pattern in deletions is called unspecified verb, depending on where you look for it. Um, unspecified verb is pretty simple to understand. It's just when you use a verb and you don't give any specifications. Aren't you glad I cleared that up? Because that wasn't clear from the title. Basically, it's when you say something like, he annoys me. So you have the verb, he annoys me, but you don't say in what way, you don't give any kind of detail for anyone to understand what you're talking about, and you're deleting a big chunk of the information, hence why it's in the category of deletions. What does that do? Well, it kind of takes away the opportunity to challenge what you just said. So if he annoys you, there's nothing you can do about that. Like, that's a fact, right? You can't argue with feelings. So you said he annoys you, well, then that's, that's where you leave it. Um, let's give another example. If you say, he hurt my foot, okay, if you're trying to imagine that scenario, he hurt my foot, what are you imagining? I think there's a lot of different stories you can tell yourself here about how he hurt your foot. And it can range from a minor injury <laughs> to like, your foot is now gone. But if you say, he sat on my foot... <laughs> <laughs> which is a very odd image. I wonder in what scenario that would happen. Let's say let's say he stepped on my foot. That one might be a bit easier to digest. Um he's he stepped on my foot. Now you have quite a clear image in your head. And this is the difference between specifying the verb and not specifying it. So if you say he hurt my foot, um, it can be pretty dr dramatic and there's not much leeway there to negotiate, you know, what happened. But if you say he stepped on my foot, it's much easier to say, you know, did it hurt a lot? Did it hurt not so much? <laughs> Um, and, and you can try and find ways to, to help, you know, like, oh, if you stepped on your foot, maybe put some ice on it. But if you say he hurt my foot and he, he used a saw and cut off part of your foot, you know, ice probably won't 
cut it. But so similarly, then with the annoyed, if you say he annoys me because he's talking too much, you can you can find solutions to change that. But if it's just he annoyed me, there's not much you can do, and it leaves you feeling shit, and it leaves you feeling bad, and and you have no no solution. Um, you'll just be stuck in your being annoyed. So when you say things like that, when you when you make claims and you haven't specified what specifically annoyed you or what specifically hurt you or whatever, like fill in the gap. It would be useful for you to ask yourself, like, in what way? How specifically did this occur? And then you're much more likely to find a solution and it feels less overwhelming and less over overreaching everything. There you go. First solution of the day. Oh my God, we're jumping straight in and straight in with solutions to make your life better. You're welcome. Buy my new product. Ancline makes your life better. Only $9.99. Whatever. Okay. Ooh, and I really like this next one already. Uh, it's called Unsupported Judgment, also known as Lost Performative, which, wow, isn't that a fancy term? What does it mean? This one I find really interesting because it's very deeply ingrained in us. So, for example, this is if you say something like, it's wrong to want money. Because you're not saying who says it's wrong to wrong to wrong You're not saying who who it is who, that says that it's wrong to want money. So who made that claim? How do you know it's wrong to want money? And often it's quite interesting if you then ask yourself, whose voice am I hearing? when I say this or when I think this, because often it turns out, oh, hang on a second, it's actually my wife or it's actually my grandmother, you know, <laughs> always a woman in my scenario, uh, or it's like my granddad, whatever. <laughs> like, But often it's interesting to realize, okay, this is not actually my opinion. I've learned this somewhere. I'm not even sure who from and I'm not sure what this is based on. Like, what is the reason it's wrong to want money? But it can really affect your life. If you if you have this belief somewhere within you and, and you're not questioning it, you're probably never going to get rich <laughs> because you are subconsciously stopping yourself from, from making a lot of money because you think it's wrong. And you don't actually question anymore where it's coming from. And this is also a deletion because you've deleted the performative part who was the one who said this? And we have this with a lot of beliefs and we take this to be a universal truth. But it's not really, is it? Is it now? I mean, I wouldn't know what it's like to make money, but... <laughs> okay. But yeah, so if you notice yourself having beliefs where you think it's a universal truth and you start questioning, where does this actually come from? It can be quite liberating. And you will find yourself rich within five minutes. Buy my product. Anne Klein makes you rich for only $9.99. Okay. And the next one is is slightly similar to this um, if you have an ambiguous subject. So before, uh, in the lost performative, you don't have a subject. You don't have the person who made that claim. But in this one, uh, you have a person, but you're not making it clear who it is. So if you say, they all want to go. Okay, who is they? Or you say, men don't like smart women. Mm, interesting opinion. Where did that come from? It's not mine, okay? All opinions uh, mentioned in this episode are not mine. <laughs> oh my god. So if you say something like, men don't like smart women, you have made a claim that is very hard to dispute because it's not based on anything. Are you sure all men don't like smart women? Are there not potentially some exceptions to this? I wonder, right? So 
making claims like this where you don't make it very clear who the person is you're speaking about. Um, this could be the example I gave in last episode where I said everyone is disappointed in me. It could also be a generalization, but I think it falls into both and nobody cares and what category it falls into really, do they? But it's just about understanding. So not making it specific, not saying who specifically you're talking about is not helpful because now you're saying basically if we actually continue this thought of men don't like smart women honestly I read this somewhere online this is really not a belief I have or I've heard anyone say but some people do think this. some people make this claim men don't like smart women and now what you're basically telling yourself one if you're a man you're telling yourself I can't like smart women otherwise I'm not a man And if you are a woman, you're telling yourself, I can't be smart. I have to dumb myself down because otherwise men won't like me. Also, this is very heteronormative (laughs) and binary, Uh, (laughs) but it's just an example. Okay, bear with me. But you are you are actually creating a rule for yourself, a law for yourself that can't be disputed. And that is um, creating some inhibitions in your life. And it's making you feel like you have to be a certain way to fit in because you have made it a universal truth once again that is hard to dispute. Am I repeating myself? Probably, but I hope you understand what I mean because sometimes my thoughts aren't very clear, so I hope it translates. If not, give me a call. I will try and explain it in person. Thanks very much. Ooh, and then this one is interesting as well. This one's called unclear comparison. This is if you if you compare yourself to someone else and you don't specify. So all of these are obviously very similar. It's, there's always specification that is needed because they are all deletions. You are deleting a bit of information that would be useful in solving the problem. Um, so if you're comparing yourself to someone else and you say, she's better than me, this is really hard. Like you are not telling me in what way she's better than you. You are not saying in what way, in what skill, um, and you're not telling me to what standards you're measuring this. So, for example, if you say, she's a better mum than me. Whoa, man, that is a hard claim. Like, that must be really painful to think this. She's a better mum than me. My goodness. But then if you question, like, in what way is she a better mum than you? Um, If you go, well, she cooks for her kids which makes her a better mum. I have to buy ready-made meals because I'm a terrible cook. All right, interesting. So now you're saying she's better at cooking than you, which is a very different story to tell yourself. Um, Also, how are you measuring better here again? You know, like it's really hard to compare these things. And if you say, okay, while she's cooking... I am playing with my kids. You know, the time she spends in the kitchen cooking, I use playing with my kids. Um, you can now say I'm better at playing with my kids than she is. Whatever. Like, And now you are comparing two things that can't be compared. You can't compare playing with cooking. And you can't now say she's a better mum than me. You just say she's better at cooking. I'm better at playing. <laughs> Whatever. Again, better... What are the standards? What are you measuring this by? You know, if you start really questioning these things, you start realizing there is no comparison. You can't compare these two things with each other. And suddenly you're just different mums and no no one is better than the other. And that that's why it's really useful to start questioning these things and actually start 
finding more categories and rather just making a general claim of better or, or not as good or worse, you can start looking at little categories and little differentiations and maybe you can use it as something you could learn or you could say, actually, no, I'm quite happy with my setup and the time it would take for me to learn to become a better cook, I I would um, not have to spend with my children, for example. You know, you might say, actually, this is a trade-off that I'm willing to, to make um, because it's just not worth it for me. And, and suddenly this whole comparison of better or worse is gone and it's no longer useful. And you, I think you can apply this to so many things. And I should really learn my own lesson here because comparison is, a, is a, you know, quite a universal thing. I think it's not, it's not a helpful thing to compare yourself to others. But if you are going to compare yourself, ask yourself these questions. In what way? How specifically? What are my standards of measurement? Of measurement? How do I even quantify all these things, right? And and suddenly it becomes much less black and white and a little more subtle and a lot better to live with. Oh my. Better than what, Anne, I wonder? Oh, I've done it again. And then there's uh, the last pattern in this category of deletions is having defined choices. I think we do this sometime when we think there's only two options, for example, or three options or four or whatever. There's more than that, but <laughs> you get the idea. So if I say I can either stay or go, um, it's just a way of expressing yourself, but you start believing there's only the two options. Are there other options? Are there other things I could do? You know, I can either leave my job or I have to stay and uh, accept things the way they are. Well, could you maybe talk to your boss and see if there is something they can do? Are there, you know, are there other options that you're not looking at? And by only giving defined options, are you limiting yourself? And are you limiting your own control over the outcome, right? We can go buy this Thursday or Friday. What would happen if you went next Monday? Like, would that be a problem? What are what are other solutions you can find to this? I don't know. I think you get the idea. It's not very complicated to understand. But with all of these deletions, it's always interesting to look at, you know, what what specifically is the issue here? And do I have alternatives? And can I regain control by actually giving it a bit more detail and looking at other options? And this ladies and gentlemen and everything in between and outside and all around brings us to the next category which is called generalizations and I really like this one because we do it so much it is so universally accepted to speak this way that we don't even realize anymore one that we do it and two what it does to us that we talk this way the first pattern in generalization is absolutes so saying things like never always and so on. Whatever other other words are absolutes, I actually don't know. <laughs> but if you say things like, he never does that. Oh boy, are you sure it's never? Because I'm not sure it's never. Making claims like, he never does the washing up. Whoa, okay, well, this is gonna create a lot of trouble. This is creating a lot of trouble for yourself because no doubt you're really upset if someone never does the washing up. It's always you. And no doubt it creates a lot of tension between the two of you, right? So ask yourself, are there some exceptions to this rule? And even out of a hundred times, he only does the washing up once, there is still once. So never already is not true. And something that is often linked to this kind of thinking is also uh, <laughs> something that's really not helpful, which if he then does do the washing up, what is your response to this? Because there can be a tendency sometimes to not reward the person when they actually exhibit the behavior that you want them to exhibit. So the time he does do the washing up, do you say, 
wow, thank you so much for doing this. I am actually really grateful. Or do you say, wow, this is so wanky. If someone spoke to me like that, I would be like, what is wrong with you? But you get the sentiment underneath that. Um, but do you thank them for doing it? And do you feel gratitude that now they did it? Or do you feel annoyed? Like, oh, now you do it. Like, you never do it. Do you tell them, wow, thanks for finally actually doing it because it's always me doing the washing up. And what this does is you're actually now punishing this person for exhibiting the behavior that you want them to exhibit. This is like saying, you know, my son never calls. You never call me. And the moment he does give you a call, you go, well, why Why did it take you so long to call? Why don't you ever call me? And now he's actually doing what you wanted him to do. He's calling you, but you're making him feel bad. So he's not very likely to call you again, right? So... This is a this is a tendency we we have and actually it's interesting to look at this and say what if I actually make them feel good when they do the thing I want them to do and I reward them for it and then they're much more likely to do it again. So if I now do the dishes and I feel really good afterwards because you really show me appreciation and you know I notice I have done you some good and you know it's it was actually much less painful than I expected it to be, I'm more likely to do that again to get your positive reinforcement again. But if the moment I do the thing you wanted me to do, you are mad at me and you make me feel even worse about myself, I'm not going to do it again. So this is something to look at, right? So it's not helpful for the other person if you make it sound like they never do it, especially if they then go, well, I did it yesterday, you know, like, it might not be as often as you want as you want them to do it. But saying never is not helpful to them. And it's also not helpful to you because you're really stuck with this feeling of never. It's always me. And and actually noticing the moments when they do do it gives you a basis for conversation. And it also gives you a little bit of air, you know, to breathe. So that, that's one. <laughs> and then this one is really cool as well. This one we do a lot. It's called imperatives. And this is a I should... I shouldn't, I must, I have to, I need to. This is what we say, don't should yourself. Why are you shoulding yourself? Here's the question. Who said you should? Who said you should? Like, my mom said I should clean up my room. Maybe, maybe she did say that, but probably not because I'm an adult and I can decide when I'm going to do what I want to do. But often the should comes from us. And if you question this, like, why should you do this? Like, I should clean up my room. Well, because it's a mess and it makes me unhappy. Okay, but who said you should? Probably me. So what does that mean? Does that mean I would quite like it to stop being a mess? So what I really want to say is I would like to clean my room. And it feels very different from should. You regain control right? You, you you suddenly have the motivation to do it because you realize it's something that I want to happen. It's not something that should happen. Because this should is an imaginary should. There's some kind of Jesus out in the air that's telling you you have to do this. And okay, maybe you do believe in Jesus, but if you don't, like, also, I don't think Jesus cares if you cleans your room or not. <laughs> God, where am I going with this? But basically, the point is, often the shoulds, the mustn'ts, the, the need tos, whatever, they come from us and they make us feel really heavy and like we don't want to do it and there's some kind of resistance to this and it makes it really hard for us to do it. So by saying, actually, no, this is something that I would like to happen, you regain control and also then you gain the... the, 
opportunity to say, actually, yes, I would quite like to do this today, but if it doesn't happen until tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. Nothing's going to happen. There is no one external who's telling me I need to do this. It's something I want to do for myself. And maybe it's okay if I do it tomorrow. And actually, by letting that go, you're much more likely to do it today <laughs> because suddenly the pressure is off and then and then things just happen. It just flows. And the last one, the last um, pattern of this category, generalizations, is possibilities. Saying I can't or it's impossible or blah, blah, blah. Often we have these ideas of what we can and cannot do. And it just takes away possibility because something I find really interesting is if if we stop asking, can I do that? But we start asking, how can I do that? We start finding solutions because to the question, can I do something? There's only yes or no. But how can is just making your brain look for solutions, look for possibilities, look for ways. And more often than not, there are options, there are possibilities. So it's really quite nice when you start realizing how much is possible if you just start looking for how you can do something. So try and notice when you say things like, I can't, or I can only, or it's impossible to, because most of the time there are possibilities. And it's really, really fun when you start noticing this. Just adding a how is so cool. Like, I can't learn to play the piano. Why can't you? Why can't you learn to play the piano? If you say, how can I learn to play the piano? You start looking at lessons. You start looking at what, where you could free up time. You start looking at people that could support you with this, right? You start looking for solutions. And even if in the end you still say, actually, it's not worth the effort for me, you're, you're in a very different headspace because it's no longer this external force that is preventing you from learning to play the piano. It's actually you, you have looked at the possibilities and you said, you know what, actually, I don't think I want to go through all that trouble to learn the piano. And that's fair enough. And that's a very different feeling. That's similar to the should, right? If, it's, if it changes to something I have decided for myself, you have a choice again, you have control again, and it just feels better. You have made a decision rather than having an external force telling you what you can and cannot do. Right. That was a lot of preaching, but I, I do really like these. It's not quite as um, flashy and as um, magical, mystical as the previous episodes I've done, but it's I find it quite pragmatic because it happens daily. We use this in our language so much, all these words, all these patterns, and we don't notice it anymore. And it actually is crazy how much it affects the results of our lives because, you know, actually going away and saying, oh, maybe I can learn to sing if I if I just find ways that I can make that happen. There's so much possibility opening up and it's it's much much less heavy to go through life by realizing, by changing my language, I create possibility, I create control, I create opportunity. Uh, and it's very, very simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> uh as I said in the last episode, it's tricky, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be difficult to pick up on this by yourself. So it's always good to try and find, always, I said always, and I say can and can't. Anyway, <laughs> I'm still learning, guys, okay? Give me a break. But it, it can be useful to try and find a friend who helps you with this. Or if you really have something you're stuck with, it can be really nice to find a coach to help you with this. But obviously, just for the simple day-to-day, -day, it's quite fun to write these down, put these up on your mirror, and catch yourself out. And actually be 
be easy on yourself, right? It's not a problem if you keep doing it because we all do it. I did it again. See, all, everyone, always. But I don't think there is anyone on this planet that doesn't do this. It's just ingrained in our language and it's not about completely getting rid of it. It's just noticing when when you do it and noticing when it actually stands in your way because there's also times you say shouldn't, shouldn't and you say always and everyone and it doesn't have a huge impact on your life so just let that go. But if you're actually feeling down on yourself and you feel heavy or you're limiting your options and you're limiting your choice, it might be quite interesting to start looking at your language and just go how... How can I change the way I look at this and the way I talk about this to give myself some power back? And I actually, I I think that's quite cool that only changing the words you use can change your possibilities in life. It's a a very simple trick, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm going to stop blabbering on now. So um, please do let me know how this goes. Tag your your buddy <laughs> in an Instagram post or on Facebook or whatever. Just tell me how annoying your buddy is for always catching you out. Um, but yeah, please let me know how it goes, what it's done for you. If you have some realizations of suddenly going, oh my God, I can learn to do this thing or I can start a business. And I always thought I couldn't just because that was the end of the story for me. And now just changing the way I speak has given me all these opportunities. Like, tell me your success stories, please. I'm in need of some good success stories. Thanks again for staying with me. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Goddamn Happiness Pod on Facebook, my Goddamn Quest for Happiness. And check out eldo.lu for other podcasts for all the other episodes for more information and so on thanks again for joining me namaste (laughs) see you next time bye bye